just making a movie. Movie? There are seven or eight, or eight corpses laying out there. The hell kind of a movie was it? I don't know. I used to know. to Scream 101. I'm your co-host Brennan Klein. And I'm your other co-host Shannon Chalakian. And if you guessed that this week we'll be talking about 1987's Return to Horror High, which features a cameo by a pre-famed George Clooney, then you were right! Hooray! Yeah, George Clooney spends about as much time in this film as Johnny Depp spends in Into the Woods, which or, is to say five minutes. Yeah, or about as much time as I spent in class in high school, am I right? <laughs> Womp, womp. He's a total liar. He's such a goody two-shoes. Yeah, I'm a nerd. Real quick, before we start, two orders of business to attend to. First of all, today is my daddy's birthday. So I'd like to say, happy birthday to my dad. Happy Happy birthday, birthday, Andy. We're not going to sing happy birthday because we have to pay royalties. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right, because it's owned by Disney. They're litigious. It's owned by someone. Well, that's concerning. Second order of business, this week... I was featured on a podcast called Now Streaming, which is hosted by my friend Andrew Furtado. And that you can find on iTunes, you can find on Stitcher, you can find it under a rock. It's everywhere. It was a lot of fun. I won the game, so he's forced to watch a super awesome movie that I suggested. After we recorded, he told me, you like to talk a lot, which I'm going to take as a compliment. So you should check it out. Also, is he related to Nelly Furtado? Yes. No, I, I don't know. Okay, should we move on to our actual podcast now? No, let's just... Yes. You do like to talk a lot. I never, th- yes, let's do it. Let's do <laughs> okay. some stuff. All right. So, Brennan, what is the thing that we start every podcast off with? Kissing. No. It's the 10 words or less reviews. That's correct. Okay, Shannon, would you like to start off with yours? Sure. Okay, so I actually, I watched a lot of films, but these three uh, stuck out. So, the first one, For a Good Time Call. For a Good Time, watch this movie. Second, Being Flynn. I watched this movie for Olivia Thirlby, was pleasantly surprised. And finally, Shrek Forever After. Didn't know this movie existed, wish I didn't. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right, and I watched also so many movies this past two weeks because we had a long break. But I picked four of them to talk about. Child's Play, average beginning to a better franchise, Chucky in Goodfellas. Child's Play 2, now we're talking leather hats, plastic gore, I'm all in. Child's Play 3. Best military school slasher I've ever seen. Evil speak kinda blows. And My Best Friend's Wedding. Diaz and Roberts, subversive rom-com angels. You can keep Mulroney. It's been a really weird week of viewing for me. Yeah, sounds like it. How many, I'm gonna regret asking this, but how many military school horrors have you watched? Actually, only two, unless you count Cadet Kelly. Oh, Cadet Kelly. (laughs) I love that movie. It's a great movie. So, let's talk about our discussion. And as always, there are spoilers. In the early 1980s, a series of gruesome murders occurred at Crippen High School. The killer was never apprehended. A few years later, a film crew uses the now-abandoned Crippen High School as a set for a film about the murders. But an uninvited guest star, the killer the film is based on, makes a cameo appearance on the set. 
As the murderous madman terrorizes the cast and crew, leading man Stephen Blake, Brendan Hughes, and leading lady Callie Cassidy, Lori Lathine of Bloody Birthday, set out to stop him. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. And as always, we have our rating systems. So scariness is a one to five scale on screams. Campiness is one to five on perms. Gore is one to five on severed limbs. And quality is one to five on unlucky stars. Brennan, what did you rate your scariness for this film? I rated it one out of five screams. I'm going to reiterate again and again. Mainly the slasher films that I choose for you aren't scary. I'm sorry for not challenging you enough with this. And I apologize. But this one, it's really more of a, and I'm really surprised by the level of this, but it's very much a satire of the slasher genre. It came out really, really late in the decade, so every slasher film in the world had already come out. So it's very funny, but not scary at all. Like, the mask that they use in a couple of scenes is kind of creepy. Like, it's this melting face that's kind of Quasimodo-esque. It's kind of like the Brandon James mask that they use in the new Scream TV show. But... Literally nothing is scary in this movie at all. I think the scariest moments were actually just when it was non-linear and you kind of got mixed up in this like confusion of whether it was real or if it was a flashback or if it was just something that they were filming or if it was actually happening or if it was a dream. It was all these different things. I can't remember an actual scary moment where I thought that like someone was going to get killed and I was going to be upset about it, but there was... Um, George Clooney. Yeah, there was a, a fairly graphic nearly rape scene um, that actually ended up just being a shot from the movie. So that's why I'm going to rate it two out of five, just for those kind of reasons, just kind of the confusion and just kind of the stress of those moments. Yeah, there were a lot of moments that really challenged, like, what is actually happening, mm-hmm. because they used a lot of scenes from the film that they're shooting to also show flashbacks of what was happening, because the film is about what had happened in this high school. So that was a really interesting construct. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't scary. Yeah, it was just stressful. All right, so moving on to campiness. Brendan, what did you rate for campiness? All right, so... Oh, boy. Um, I wish you could see his paper. His paper is just chock full of notes about every aspect, but I'm sure perms, we're going to get an earful. Okay, well, campiness is where this film shines, like a flashlight in the dark. I gave it four out of five perms. I really, really enjoyed this movie. There's... So many scenes I want to talk about, but I don't have super a lot of time. Shannon's ticking on the clock right now. But from the very beginning, the opening credits literally say starring, and then in parentheses it says in pieces. So from the very beginning, you know that everything's awesome. And second of all, every single outfit that any woman wears, which is basically one person, but um, Laurie Lathine, who was in Bloody Birthday, which is an okay movie, but she wears this periwinkle jumpsuit when she's running around trying to track down the killer. And then when she's in the movie, she wears this, it looks like a mechanics outfit, but it has this little brooch that's like a pair of sunglasses. And there's this one scene that I want to talk about at the very end. There are spoilers in the discussion. There's this character that's been kind of wandering around being really strange. Who's this janitor guy. He's an African-American janitor. <laughs> he's fighting this guy because it turns out like oh he's evil he's fighting the main guy who's the cop guy and then the cop guy pulls off his mask and it turns out he's the white principal and then the cop just yells castleman you honky and you haven't lived until you've heard an angry white man shout honky 
I will agree with you. I also rated it a three. I originally was going to do like two and a half and three, but now that you talk about all those things, I, I agree with you. There's this one character that has very like, it's not like Flock of Seagulls, but it's like two long strands of hair and then like a short haircut. It looks kind of mullety too. And so that haircut alone was like, okay, that ups the score. But a lot of it was, like we said, kind of a satire. So it was a lot of like comic relief about all of these different things. Yeah, it was a really silly movie. Yeah, it was hilarious. There, there's one scene where they're filming in a bathroom and just there's a conversation happening in the foreground, but in the background... There's just an endless array of crew members exiting out of this bathroom stall like a clown car. There's like 30 people that walk out of this bathroom in the in the background. And you kind of don't even notice at first, but it just keeps happening and it's hilarious. Yeah, and it's it's very sexist. Like it's very it's very 80s in that sense where they just have no reserve for that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, so that's my, why my campiness score is up there high. That and the hair, but it's always hairstyles. The closer it is to God. Yeah, closer to heaven, I guess. So what did you rate it on gore? I only gave it a two out of five severed limbs because I mean, we kind of discussed this a little bit um, pre-podcast, but we don't even think that anyone really was killed because it mostly was staged and everyone survives. Other, th- Yeah, even even the dad doesn't really, or even the pr- principal, who is the father of um, the writer. Yeah, in the end of this movie, it turns out that all of the deaths are an elaborate hoax to kind of raise publicity for this movie. But there is a killer on the loose on the set who is the principal. The cop does attempt to kill him, but he doesn't die because he's a slasher villain. But he hasn't actually killed anyone because that was fake. It's really confusing. The ending doesn't make any sense. It's a hoax, but there is a killer. Essentially, they're making this movie about this killing that happened a long time ago. They bring a couple people back to the set who were there, and the people who they brought back were the janitor and Hunky McHunkerson, the cop, and then also the principal. And so they stage this hoax as all the cast and crew being dead, but then at the very end of the movie, they all like stand up and run into a car and like drive off, so they weren't actually dead. But the principal knew who the hunky cop was and actually did try to kill him because he was the original killer. It was a mind trip. It was um Inception times 10. It's kind of not worth thinking about, really. Yeah, so that's why the gore level is so low. I think the gore score was two for me just because they spent so much time talking about how they created these classic gore scenes. Uh, they had a character who we'll talk about later, Robbie, who that was his thing. He was Head's master. He just dealt with explosions and and gore and so for that they obviously had a good handle on what a good gore scene could be they just never actually had a reason to use one i don't know if i uh, super agree with that because Mm -hmm. they could have shown us anything because it was just kind of like a story that the screenwriter was telling Mm -hmm. um i just they didn't have a budget for it and so a lot of the gore scenes were off screen or in silhouette. Like George Clooney's death was literally just him pressing his face against a window and going, oh, oh, no, I'm George Clooney. And then going, bleh. He actually died. He didn't come back in the end because he's George Clooney. And even, well, 
it was before he was George Clooney, but he was like, I'm going to be George Clooney, so you're going to have to pay me if you want me to appear in this ending scene. Yeah, that was actually his entire role in this film was like, hey, I'm on this movie. Oh, wait, I got a better role. I'm leaving this movie. Yeah, he's like, I got to go be an ERC later. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There were only two deaths that were even gory, even slightly. There was like something with the javelin and there was like, I think that was it actually. Yeah. So that I rated it two out of five because there, there were actually some cool effects, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a lot of stuff there wasn't a lot of play in the actual deaths that were going on. Yeah. And quality. I voted quality on a three just because it was really enjoyable and I had a good time watching it. We both had a good time watching it. Brenna, our roommate, had a good time watching it, which is also saying something. And on top of it all, it was interesting. They did some things that were different than just the -the run-of-the-mill slasher, which is always refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. I rated it three out of five on Lucky Stars, too. I had seen this film four or so years ago. I did not remember how clever this film was it was actually just a really fun interesting film to watch like it's not incredibly incisive and intelligent it's not like whatever eight and a half it's not a fellini film but for a slasher it's it's all right it's like the einstein of slashers yeah they have some ambitious things going on yeah and also I, th- I think the reason the gore was so bad was because their smoke machine budget was out of control. <laughs> it was so high. Like, there were some really good shots, and most of them involved all of the smoky hallways in the high school. Either that, or, I mean, it was the 80s, it was before the no smoking laws were implemented in California, so that must have had something to do with it. Yeah, every time they had a break, okay, everyone, go to the hallway. We need that smoke for the next scene. I mean, you know those key grips. It could be. They can't be controlled. Okie dokie. Champion dialogue, our favorite section. Mm -hmm. Brennan, what did you pick as your champion dialogue? Okay, are you ready for this? I am so ready. (laughs) Okay, my champion dialogue comes from the main character, Callie Cassidy. She's objecting to showing her boobs on screen. And her co-star, the male lead, or not, not the super nice guy male lead, but just this other dude that's like with her on screen. He's saying like, what's your problem with showing your boobs? And she's trying to turn the tables on him, and this is what she says. Would you if you had to walk around in the scene with your schlong hanging out? Only in your case, darling, it would be a schlort. That's such a great comeback. Like, I'm going to write that down in my comeback journal so I can keep that around for myself for future use. Yes, because uh, one of Brennan's most used dialogue is talking about other guys' schlongs. It's true. All the time, every day. I have a schlong journal. <laughs> oh my god. My champion dialogue is, uh, I don't know, kind of related. No, not at all. <laughs> it, it stars this character, Robbie, who is the head's master we talked about with the really weird hair. And um, he's talking to the director. And the director is this very spastic, anxious guy who's trying to manage everything um, and getting no help from everyone else. And there's this woman... <laughs> and she's fully bare-breasted. And Robbie is trying to, to like make the scene look good by spraying water on her breasts he has these uh prosthetics that are going to explode right like exploding, his exploding boobs exploding tits yeah which makes the the movie that much better to begin with like i will forever remember this movie just for that reason alone but anyway so robbie and the director have this discussion about how the director wants it to be less revealing because the director has a documentary background so he wants it to be more of like a solid film about the accounts and affairs etc but what's more realistic than exploding boobs i mean it's it's a real problem that's true and yet the backer of the film the producer only wants to exploit women 
Like, that's his goal, is just have any scene, have them naked, like, make sure that all the women are naked, let me hit, hit on them, etc. And so um, the director is in this hard place where he's talking to Robbie, saying, cover her up, and then the director has been, or the producer has giving, been giving Robbie instructions to have exploding tits. And this is, this is what happens. At least let me tear the nipple off. Jesus, think of the audience. Do you think my mother could watch that? I don't know. What's she like? And I really love that entire conversation because on one hand, Robbie's making a good point. Like, your mother might not like this, but there are some mothers that would. Like, you you know, what's she like, essentially. And on the other hand, you can understand where the director's coming from, where it should be a film of some sort of uh, reserve, you know, and less silly and, and be real because it's a sensitive topic. Like, this this entire town is still affected by it. It's very scream in that They're affected that sense. by the exploding boob incident of 1982. <laughs> you know what I mean, by the high school experience. No, I, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was interesting. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, Shannon, what was your favorite character? My favorite character was Robbie. We just talked about him, like, four different times. So, surprise, it was Robbie. But, yeah, he was just a very cool character. And he was always getting so upset because people were, were kind of tripping wires or um, stepping in on his work. And then at the end, he's the one that really drives the hoax to fruition, essentially, because he was able to set up all of the fake body parts and things that made it look like they all had been massacred inside the, the high school. Yeah, no, he was cool. And his hair just kind of looked like a rope that was wrapped around his neck, but it was just it was just hair. That was he fun. Was, he was doing him. He, he was, was Robbie. Fantastic. That's what he did. The 80s were a great time. So my favorite character was a lady cop named Officer Tyler, who was investigating the massacred bodies out on the high school. This was a scene that took place after the events of the film, but was intermittently interspersed throughout the film. As we were watching this movie, Shannon turned to me and said... I think that's Marsha Brady. And I was like, sure, Jan. But then afterwards, I looked it up, and sure enough, the actress is Maureen McCormick, who played Marsha Brady in a lot of The Brady Bunch and A Very Brady Christmas. And it blew my mind, because this character is insane. Um, as she's investigating all the bodies, she's like, well, there's six or seven, or eight. We couldn't really tell. They're real. There's, they're just in pieces all over. And she's just like, matching dude's arms with lady pieces she's like it doesn't really matter they're just in pieces and she's just chomping on this giant subway sandwich and slurping her soda and at one point she goes off inside the school and she comes back just drenched in blood and they're like what the hell happened to you and she's like there's blood everywhere i slipped all the way from the english classroom to the science lab and she's like there's blood everywhere and she caresses herself and she squeezes her own boob and i'm like marcia 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 and it's, Officer Tyler is a godsend. And this is a very special movie. Yeah, she's such a she's such a random character. Like, she has no substance at all. That's just, her silliness is just standalone, which was the best. I'm so happy that that character was in there. And honestly, I didn't think of her as, when I'm considering my favorite characters, because she wasn't one of the main characters. So I'm glad mm. that you brought her up, because I totally wouldn't have thought of that. Oh, yeah. And... She also, she wasn't done playing Marsha Brady. She played Marsha Brady that same year in 1987. Yeah, after you see her caress her, herself in her own boob. Yes, this is a fantastic world that we live in. Thank you so much, Maureen McCormick. So, Shannon, what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene, actually, is part of Brennan's champion dialogue. So that entire same th- same uh, situation where she's talking about the schlong versus the short, she's 
having this in huge exploitation rant, which is great. I totally could see myself giving this rant too if I was in her situation because she just came out of essentially a staged rape scene that, um, you know, she was being attacked and right as she was being attacked, the producer like comes in and says like, let her, like we should have her breasts out essentially. And she's like, why? And she runs outside and she's like, this is all unnecessary. They don't need to see her being raped. Like there, there doesn't need to be this exploitation. This is a cheap way of making movies to which the producer says, well, people keep coming. I'll keep making them. And it's kind of this, um, age old exploitation explanation about why Hollywood producers continue to make these off color, just poor decisions when it comes to society. And she actually says like, you're putting this in people's minds. Like people are watching this and it's being put in their minds. I just thought it was such a, like a smart thing it's for true. this, for this movie. Um, but again, it's, it's satirical. Like that was it's commentary. Yeah. And this conversation came so we wouldn't have to watch the rape scene. And mm-hmm. I was like, thank you because I don't want to watch this. Yeah. And that producer guy is like, if Roger Corman had a baby with a dumpster. So that's kind of just like the idea of who this man is. That's accurate. Totally accurate. Brennan, is it time? Is well, it's time for my favorite scene. Oh, that's right. That's right. We can we can let you have a favorite scene, too. Thank you. I'll be fast. Um, my favorite scene is the sexy scene between Callie Cassidy and Stephen Blake, who are the leads of the film, and they slowly fall in love over the course of the movie. And first of all, they're both very attractive human beings, and Stephen walks around just in super tight jeans with no shirt on, and I'm like, thank you, 1987. And anyway, so while they're making sweet, sweet love, there's people welding outside. So literally sparks are flying and it's it's kind of like they're being lit by a strobe light. And this Walmart Denise Williams song is playing and it keeps cutting to flashes of the welders outside and flashes of this board that they've put up of like all of the suspects that they have collected over the course of their investigations. But also on this board are random childish drawings of like a lion, a house, a tree. And I'm like, who drew these? These are awful. It's like what you would find on a fridge in a family with two kids. And how did these end up on your suspect board? And I'm just so confused and it's really sensual and really confusing. And that's how I love my movies. Perfect. 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 All right, Brennan, now is it time? Yes, I think it is. It's time for the Splatter Dome. Splatter Dome. Splatter. And now a moment of silence for those who have departed us. Oliver, played by George Clooney, is sent to the ER. Actor is decapitated with an axe. Grip is dragged into a sandbox. Robbie is slashed with a fan. Mr. Burnbaum is dissected like a frog. Blake's neck is snapped in a dream. Callie Cassidy is dissected by the honky. Freddy, the first AD, is killed off screen. Harry the producer slash dumpster is decapitated. Thank God. Josh, the director, is decapitated. And that's it. So moving on. Best kill. Brennan, what was your best kill? Okay, um, my best kill was the grip that gets dragged into the sandbox. Mainly because the way that he gets lured over to this sandbox that's actually a like a trapdoor over a tunnel is 
this like magical hammer that's either on a string or on a magnet that falls off of a counter and just drags over to the sandbox. And he's like a cat. He's like, ah, you wily son of a gun. And he just follows it really happily. And then he gets grabbed by the, first of all, the killer is wearing yellow dishwashing gloves. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's happening. I have no comment. Anyway, so he's over the sand pit. Like, look, he, like he, he gets his face so close to the sand pit, which is not what you would do if something falls into a sand pit and disappears. Like, I wouldn't put my face as close to the sand pit as possible because that's not going to help me any. Well, maybe you can find it between the grains of sand. With my face two inches from the sand? That doesn't make sense. Helps you look closer. He didn't have a magnifying glass. Anyway, that's when he gets grabbed by the neck and pulled in, which is great. And I am talking about this as well because that was, as, that was my, what I consider the best kill as well. All right. So, okay, even though technically nobody in this movie actually died? Who, Clooney, maybe? Maybe, but whatever. If, if they did, who would you resurrect? I would resurrect Kathy, who actually isn't a character in this film. She's mentioned a couple times, but she's from the original killing, so she actually is dead, and she is in the basement, and the principal slash her father is the killer. And, yeah, I just I want her to be resurrected so that... Officer Hunky McHunkerson can just run off with his childhood sweetheart and live happily ever after, and none of this would ever have to happen. It's true. And McHunkerson is his uh, ancestral name. <laughs> of course. He's Icelandic. <laughs> All right, Brennan, what about you? Um, I would resurrect Amos the janitor because I don't think he actually existed, and I really want him to because he's such a colorful character. Like, there's a scene where the cop guy asks him... Like, what do you want to do with your newfound fame? And he's like, I want to be in porn films. And the cop guy doesn't know what to do with him. And so he just blurts out, pornos. And it's just, it's really incredible. Yeah, that was, that was a special, special moment in the film. It's just kind of like, because he's surprised and scared, but also mildly enticed. And it's just, that's kind of how I feel about Amos. Murder. Who would you murder? Okay, I would kill the sheriff of the town. Because he is played by Pepper Martin, who is in a movie called Scream slash The Outing from 1981, which is a movie that I really, really hate and is possibly the worst slasher movie that I've ever seen. The most boring movie, and it tricked me because it has an awesome premise about people who get stranded in a ghost town after kayaking. And it's terrible, and I don't want anyone to ever remind me of it ever again, so I'm going to kill him. Great. And I am going to kill the producer because he is a pig. He's an absolute just worst pig. Like the first the first phrase that we see him say is, have you found me an in-town bimbo yet? I was I like, mean, who even says bimbo? Yeah, is that a word bimbo? that people say? And also, who is this guy who's having his assistant find him a, a prostitute in town? I want that job, actually. And what, to go find prostitutes? No, bimbos, just in general. <laughs> okay, okay. But yeah, so that was just like, and, and throughout the entire movie, he was always just like, she needs more breasts, you know, like, like have it naked. <laughs> like, just very... Yeah, he's like, we should make this scene really poignant, but also naked. Yeah, exactly. So you didn't think that he had any redeeming value, and he really doesn't, except for towards the end where he actually had a good idea for a good publicity stunt. But Is other she... than that, you know, he's worthless. I mean, boobs are a great publicity stunt. Yeah, but his publicity stunt that we they ended with actually didn't involve boobs. Boobs. You're right. It did involve murder though, so it works if you kill him. Yep. All right, Shannon, are you ready for some games? Oh yes, please. 
it's time to bring back a game that's been lying dormant for a couple episodes that I'm very excited for. It's the Divination Game. All right, Jenny, are you ready for some future careers of actors and you have to guess who they are? Sure, why not? All right, just a quick rehash. In this game, I give Shannon the future career of an actor. She has to guess who it is. I just said that, but just in case that wasn't clear the first time I said it, there you go. Um, all right, you ready? Oh, yeah, let's oh, do this. Yeah. Um, this first actor, it's a male actor. He went on to be in ER, The Facts of Life, and three episodes of The Simpsons. Who was it? George Clooney. Mm-mm-mm. He was Alex Rocco, who played Harry Slerick, the producer. Huh. Wait, wasn't George was George Clooney in like General Hospital or was he ER? He was in ER, but he was never in The Simpsons. Mm. I tricked you. Never? Really? They have never impersonated George Clooney on The Simpsons? Well, he was never on The Simpsons. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's where that's where they get you. Obviously. By so. they, I mean myself. I'm 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 multiple people. I'm a sensate. Alright. And the second person is actually all of these people are actors. I'm just gonna tell you right now because there was the one actress in this movie. Um, the second actor went on to be on two episodes of Torchwood. He played Duke Frederick in Shakespeare's As You Like It in the Globe Theater. And he also was in Howling Six, The Freaks. So, you know, prestigious. Oh, I really like Torchwood. Um, I don't know, Robbie. Um, no. That was actually uh, Brendan Hughes who played Stephen Blake. The main guy. The cop oh, guy. the cop guy. Hunky, okay. Mm-hmm. Hunky McHunkerson. I should have right. told you that. I'm Hunky sorry. McHunkerson. His real That's name. Right. right. Not his slave name. <laughs> All right. So you're 0 for 3 right now, or 0 for 2 right now, but you have one more chance to redeem yourself. Are okay. you ready? Yes, let's do this. This next actor went on to star in Grizzly 2 The Concert, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, and uh, portrayed the lip syncing transvestite in 1992's The Harvest. This one's George Clooney. It is George Clooney. Yes. You got it right. I was trying to trick you. No, I knew this because of the tomatoes thing. I don't know why. I think it was like on a VH1 special or something. Oh, oh yeah. I was trying to get you. I was trying to get the that, really weird crappy titles was he was That was good. In. That was. Well, that was why That was why it was on the VH1 special or whatever it was. It was because it was such a crappy, crappy movie. Yeah, he had he to pay in. his dues. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, you got one out of three. Yay. You got a point. Congratulations. All right. Now I get to turn the tables on you. It's true. So we can play um, a game that we just recently played, actually, for your birthday episode. It's but true. we had such a good time. We wanted to do it again. So uh, the game is Marshmallow Lightning, which, which is Which is where... also my rap name. <laughs> he has many names. Hey, what's your drag name? Uh, Gretchen Wieners. Okay. So in Marshmallow Lightning... If you listen to our Sweet 16 episode, it was kind of a variation on beer pong that we did for my 21st birthday, but we thought we'd bring it back because it was a lot of fun, but it takes a little bit of explanation. It's basically a lightning round trivia game mixed with Chubby Bunny. So Shannon's going to ask me a series of trivia questions based on Return to Horror High, and for every question that I get wrong, I have to put a marshmallow into my mouth, which inhibits me from answering the next question, and hopefully creates just gut-bursting laughter in all of you. I want to explode all of your internal organs. Are you ready? That's so violent. Okay. Everything about me is violent. All right. I am sticky. I am ready. Okie dokie. So we have eight different questions. Some of them you may or may not have already answered while talking about the movie, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. I may have already forgotten about it, so you never know. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, number one, what are the names of the film's one true actress 
her characters and her name behind the scenes. Oh my god. Okay. Wait. Okay. So her, her, the actress's name is Callie Cassidy. Okay. The her okay, and the actress playing her is Laurie Lathine. Okay. Her characters' names are Susan. Okay. Sarah. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Next question. Good job. Oh my god. I know that, that was stressful, stressful, right? I know. Well, she plays. It was really interesting. She played so many characters, and she actually looked different in each, each she time. She did. She's she's a chameleon. I know. Okay, number two. What tattoo is on the hand that Officer Tyler finds? Oh God. And what is the hand holding? It's holding a sandwich, and the tattoo is like a Japanese symbol. The tattoo is an anchor. Oh God. Okay. And oh. and. She's holding an instant waffle. Okay, I need two marshmallows for that. Okay. Well, okay, let's go. Oh, this is going to be fun. Dear Lord, these are multi-part questions. I'm yep. scared. Who's Steve's high school high school sweetheart? Kathy. Kathy Johnson. Yeah, that was weird. Okay. Who's Steve's high school sweetheart, and what are both her last names? Kathy Johnson and Kathy Castlehorn. Castleman. Castle... Can, I, can that count? Yeah, that can count. Okay. That's fine. Okay. Number four. What tool is sticking out of what's my motivation's head? An axe or like a hatchet. Yeah, hatchet. Good job. What kind of shoes does Officer Hunky McHunkerson wear in his leisure? In his what? In his leisure. I don't know. Clogs? <laughs> Cowboy boots. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, clog. Oh. This is a dangerous game. Folks, don't do this at home. The most dangerous game. That's a great short story. This is going to be disgusting sounding. Nom, 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 nom. Number six. Can you name three drawings on the board? Okay. A lion, a tree, and a man with a beard. Yes. I also would have accepted clown or two people hanging from a um, swing set. Like like dead from the neck? Like yep. in Sinister? Yep. All right. Number seven. What does the chief have on his collar? Uh, an anchor? No, star pins. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh. I'm a certified lifeguard. I, I will perform CPR. Everything is fine. If necessary. Everything right. is great. Everything is grand. Okay, last question. Okay, good. What color is Kathy's garter belt? Red? It's purple. Oh, no. Okay. Shove, shove it in your mouth. <laughs> Those aren't words. Okay, say your name. Say your full name. He just said, My name is Red Incline, and welcome to Scream 101. Okay, he's gonna attempt to chew that. Do uh, not. What? Be careful. It's marshmallow. I'll be fine. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna move on to the next thing. We're moving on to our closing statements and our recommendations. Shannon, what do you recommend for people who agree with you about this film? All right, so the film that I'm recommending is called The Faculty. It is full of a star cast. I mean, Selma Hayek and Jon Stewart and Cleo Duvall, who's only a star in my eyes. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood is in it. Uh, Josh, Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. Yeah, there's like there's everyone. Oh, Usher is in it. Like. It's, it's great, but it's also, it's one of those um, same kind of on-campus slasher movies, which is oh so good, oh so entertaining. 
and it's it's of value. I I uh, I really enjoyed it, and it was good for the the entire time. What do you recommend? My suggestion was, if you're a horror nerd like me, this was probably a title you were considering when we gave our clue last week or two weeks ago. It's a uh, cutting class, which is another high school slasher starring one of the sexiest men alive, Brad Pitt. It's not as good as Return to Horror High. Came out in 1989, which was the year the slasher died. But it's still pretty fun, and it has Martin Mole in it. So that's something. So check it out if you, I don't know, if you liked this one. If you were that bored. Yeah, screw it. Ugh, my mouth is coated with fluff. And sugar. Lots of sugar. What are the, what's the, oh, serving size, four pieces. So you had um. I had just over. 1.75 servings. A serving, yeah. That's great. All right. I'm very healthy today. Okay. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Facebook or Tumblr at Scream101Podcast, on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And please do, because if you're listening to us on iTunes and we don't actually know you, we have no way of knowing because iTunes does not tell us because they are rude. They're like Fort Knox. And if you have movie recommendations, if you want to guess the clue... If you want to tell us that our games are awesome, please email us at scream101podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And as for our credits, uh, give credit to myself and to Brennan for making it, but also to our wonderful, wonderful sound engineer, Lucas Cathy. He is the best, and we are back in the studio recording with him, which is such a relief because we get to hear when our jokes are kind of funny because he will laugh and chuckle out in the corner, which is a delight. Which is all the time. Oh, most of the time. Sometimes. Yeah. Brennan, please tell us what the clue is. All right. Next week, we'll be throwing a seminal 90s psychological thriller at you. We're hoping to get a guest on for that episode, my buddy Lewis Friend, but he's a slippery bugger to track down. I can smell your contributions, though, man. Hope you can make it, else I'd look a fool. And we'll be playing you out with Man For Me by Wendy Frazier from the Return to Horror High soundtrack.
Bye. Bye.